Beathard sets up deep in the pocket. Goes down the field for Smith. Fifty-six yarder. It's got no. Does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Don't miss a thing from the world of college football. Stay right here for College Gridiron on WFUV Sports. Welcome to this week's episode of College Gridiron. I'm Will Jing. I'm here with Miles Grossman. We got a lot to talk about today. First off, how are you doing, Miles? Good. Like you said, a lot to get into. Red River rivalry this week. I feel like this is almost the time in the college football season where it kind of hits the back burner a little bit. Everybody's watching NFL. You know, you're so used to college football already. It's kind of like week six. You get a little bored. But, you know, you got to remember, these are the weeks you really pray for in April, May, summertime. You know, you want college football, I think, you know. Got to remember, there's still good games every week. Yeah, no, definitely. I feel like it's also getting to that time of year where it's like all four sports are about to be in season. Baseball is getting into playoffs. Football's gotten underway. Basketball and hockey, they're both getting underway soon. So college football definitely kind of, you know, uh, falls under those. It's the back burner in some people's eyes, which it shouldn't. (laughs) Yeah, um, but this week definitely had a lot of exciting games. Uh, As you said, we got Texas-Oklahoma upcoming this week. So we're going to talk all about that. But we're going to start off with LSU versus Ole Miss. That was one high-scoring <laughs> hell of a game. Um, Ole Miss did end up pulling out the win, 55-49. to 49. Uh, I was watching the game at the gym, and I thought the game was over at one point yeah. because Ole Miss definitely pulled away at the beginning. But LSU didn't uh, go away easily. I checked the stats. They weren't drastically different from each other, but I think one thing that did uh, end up being the separator between the two is that the rushing yard battle was 317 to 223 in favor of Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, Ole Miss is a good offense. I mean, they're, I think they're really up there. One of the best offenses in America. I don't think they're in that, you know, playoff conversation because, you know, what they lack on the other side of the football, defensively speaking. But offensively, they can hang with everybody. Jackson Dart is. I think is a legitimate pro prospect. I don't know if he's in a lot of people's minds as that guy just yet. But, you know, he can he can not only be the guy that could heave the football, but he can also manage the game, right? Get the running backs involved when they when they need to. And I think you know it was just a tough day to be a defensive back. Also, you know, once they got into the secondary, a lot of big runs and a lot of you know two really good quarterbacks, including Dart. You know, a day you want to be a wide receiver rather than a defensive back. Yeah, no, for sure. Like you mentioned, not not a lot of defense in this game. Like 55-49 is, again, really high scoring. No picks for either team. Mm-hmm. LSU had no sacks. Ole Miss only had three. Um, but I think what, what also made the game closer than it, than it should have been was uh, penalties. Because Ole Miss had 11 penalties. That cost them 121 yards, which, mm-hmm. I mean, yikes. And holding, right? A lot of holding. And I think, you know... That that's gonna be. I, I've always said holding is one of the be the, one of the most subjective calls in all sports. Arguably, on every scoring touchdown in football at any level, there's probably a hold somewhere. It's whether or not one of the a few referees saw it. You know, so part of that's bad luck, and you got you got to give him that. But that's part of the reason why I'd say they're not in that top tier, truly upper echelon conversation. 
of NCAA football because they're probably a little too young, a little too raw, a little too undisciplined around Dart. And I think, you know, they're going to be in that 10 to 15 conversation throughout the rest of the year, but they're, they're a little too raw to be in that top five, top four. And I think, you know, we really saw that reflected in the penalties. Yeah, so um, Ole Miss, they really jumped out to an early lead. They got on the board first with a, a fourth down pass to Quinshawn uh, Judkins. Then Dejon Anthony whacked Jaden Daniels, the LSU quarterback, with a big hit, forcing a fumble. That led to another touchdown for Ole Miss. Um, and then at the end of the first quarter, they had a 63-yard touchdown from uh, from Jackson Dart to Jordan Watkins. So as we said, uh, Ole Miss jumped out to a really big lead. But LSU did make a really big run in the second quarter. Um, Jaden Daniels threw one fade route for a touchdown in the first quarter. And then another fade route on the left side again for another touchdown pass, this time to Kyron Lacey in the second quarter. That brought the game to 31-28. What do you think, Miles, uh, helped LSU make that big comeback to to bring the score close again? Well, I mean, you know, we talked about Dart already, but Jaden Daniels is a fantastic quarterback in his own right. I mean, taking a look at his line, 27-36, 414 yards, 4 TDs, arguably the better line between the two quarterbacks. It's tough to go on the road in a really, you know, ruckus SEC environment when they're waiting for you to lose and still hold your own. They're a number 13 team in the nation. I think, you know, kind of LSU has become a bit of a forgotten squad in the SEC this year. I mean, sure, that they get a lot of attention because they're they're still LSU, but no one thinks of them as someone who could really contend for a title or, or a high-level bowl game. But, you know, I, I think that the, the, in, the, in quarters two and three, the offense was certainly there. You know, 35 between those two quarters, 21 in the second, 14. You know, piecing together five touchdowns on the road in two quarters, Against Ole Miss certainly says something, but you know Ole Miss obviously a really solid offensive squad in their own right. So it's tough to it's tough to really outscore Ole Miss on their own territory. Yeah, I also want to mention the the QBs were running a lot in this game. Uh, Jackson Dart seven carries for fifty yards. Jaden Daniels fifteen carries for ninety nine yards. I think we see this a lot throughout the modern game of football where QBs aren't just you know, like the Peyton Manning style where they're they're just standing there and just throwing. They're they're also get you know, escaping the pocket and uh and and running around a lot. How much do you think that um Ole Miss's win has to do with um Jackson Jackson Dart's ability to scramble out of the pocket? Well being a dual threat quarterback is kinda just the norm in, in, in modern football. And I think we're gonna see more and more of that where every single quarterback prospect we already see a lot of it where 90 percent it seems of first round second round quarterback prospects could do it a little bit with their legs I mean they have to do it to some extent you know but but Dart and Daniels are two examples of guys who could probably do it on their legs level next level and if they do do it on the next level they're going to heavily rely on their legs I think you know arguably Daniels like you said more carries for about 100 yards on the ground as a quarterback is pretty special but you know Dart did it himself and I think you know just to keep LSU on their toes at home it's a big advantage obviously when you got that crowd behind you it's tough to be a defensive you know play signal signaler and um you know Dart was able to take advantage in the end 55 points at home you should be able to win a ball game (laughs) yeah and I think one actually big scramble from Dart was a big momentum changer because at the end of the third I don't know if you saw first in 19 Jackson Dart takes off past the 30 almost the 20 Mm -hmm. and hurdles a defensive back which is like 
that that's like unheard of for a QB to, to hurdle a defensive back. <laughs> you expect that from a running back, maybe a wide out, but for a QB to start going out of here and like I don't I don't know when's the last time I saw something like that. And I mean it was a real toss up down the stretch. Uh LSU led 49-47, less than a minute to go. Mm-hmm. But Trey Harris got across the goal line for Ole Miss, 40 seconds to go. And then LSU comes storming right back. They're, you know, well into into Ole Miss territory. And then to make things worse for Ole Miss, yeah. Jeremiah, John Baptiste, horse collars, Jaden Daniels with 12 seconds to go. And from then it's like it's it got really scary. For, they had a legitimate shot, a real legitimate shot. Yeah. And then, you know, LSU then responds with a couple of their own mistakes. Like like I mentioned earlier, penalties were big in this game. Mm-hmm. Two false starts uh, after that horse collar. And then they had, you know, one last you know, big chance uh, to to end the game, and Jaden Daniels lopped it up into the end zone, couldn't convert, and uh, LSU uh, unfortunately falls to fifty uh, Ole Miss fifty five to forty nine four to them. Uh, of course, that that's a really tough loss because they definitely had a chance. And you never want penalties to be a major theme in a football game because it's just too subjective. You want the actual football to be the thing we're talking about, of course. But, you know, at least at the end, the whole horse collar was a horse collar. No debate there. So then you could kind of take take a deep breath regarding that call. But then the, the, the other calls, I, I'd say, you know, a, a lot of subjective holding situations, but... It's tough, you know. Fifty-five points, like I said, at home should win you a ball game, but the last-second comeback by LSU, I mean, they had a real shot down the stretch, and I think it, it, you know you have to be a little bit disappointed if you're Daniels going home. Yeah, no, for sure. I th- I think honestly, either team, if they played some more defense, they they should have had you know an easier time winning this game. But you know, it is what it is. The offense is dominated again. Ole Miss walks out fifty-five to forty-nine. Let's walk into another game where. Offenses were dominant again, which is USC versus Colorado. Caleb Williams and Shador Sanders both really showed out. Um, Caleb Williams, 30, uh, 30 completions out of 40 attempts, 403 yards, six touchdowns, and one interception, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Shador Sanders, unfortunately, did not play as well for Colorado, but he still played an amazing game. 30 completions out of 45 attempts, 371 yards. Four touchdowns and one pick. Uh, another player who played really well was Colorado receiver Omaria Miller. Seven receptions, 196 yards, uh, and I, I calculated that out. That's 28 yards per catch. That's, yeah. that's quite amazing. Uh, what do you think was the uh, was the big takeaway from this game? I mean, first of all, Deion Sanders will tell you, Colorado is a couple pieces away. This isn't the year that they're going to be in the in the championship conversation. And, you know, obviously now that they have the recruiting power of Deion Sanders and all that comes with that, they are going to be in that conversation for years to come. And I think, you know, they'll, they'll take a big leap next year. They're going to get a very good class. They're obviously going to hit the portal hard. And, you know, in the coming years, Colorado is going to be a team that is in that college football playoff conversation every single year. But even their head coach, even in-house, they'll tell you it's not this year. And I think that really showed against Caleb Williams and USC, just on the defensive side in particular. Missing a couple pieces in the secondary, missing a couple guys on the defensive line. that You you need a couple pass rushers, I'd say, for Colorado. They need to improve in that category. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a good team, but it's still a bit of a, it's a work in progress. And I think when you play, I, I don't even think USC is going to be in the college football playoff, but when you face a guy like Caleb Williams, he's going to expose that. I mean, Caleb Williams, 
you might as well give him the Heisman right now. He's got putting. I I rarely say the phrase video game numbers, but he really does put up video game numbers. Like I, I 1,600 yards, 21 touchdowns through five games. Like that's those are those historic years that you you know doesn't happen every season. And you know Caleb Williams able to pad the stats a little bit against the iffy Colorado defense. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Caleb Williams is obviously arguably the number one prospect going into this upcoming draft. And he helps USC go up 21-0. And I'm not going to lie, when I was watching this game, I was like, okay. or Yeah, like, I'm turning this off. Like, it's it's game over. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, you know, even though we'll discuss in a bit, uh, Colorado did have a pretty nice comeback. Do you think that Colorado is overhyped just because, you know, Deion Sanders, you know, obviously the attention he brings, uh, you know, his personality – um, and then, you know, the early couple wins, do you think that this team was, you know, overrated and overhyped coming into this game in the Oregon game last week? In some people's eyes. I think there was a lot of, you know, in certain groups around college football, going into Oregon, a lot of people had that written up as that that this might be a reality check for Colorado because, you know, coming off that first couple of days, I was someone who I thought going into Colorado State, I thought that was going to be a statement game for Colorado. They were going to make some 56-7, to put a real number up on Colorado State. Didn't happen. Competitive game throughout. I think that was, a, that was the reality check I needed, personally, where I was like, okay, Colorado is not that team. You know, they're battling against a good Colorado State team, but that Colorado State team is not in the SEC conversation. They're not even in the Power 5 realm, let's be honest. Then, of course, they face Oregon, and they get their butt handed to them. And then, you know, I think against USC, I don't know if anyone expected them to win this game. The comeback effort was valiant. I think, you know, when you look at that comeback effort, all it did was run out of time. If if this was an eight-quarter football game, I'd say Colorado might end up winning that war of attrition. But obviously, you know, USC is an is an offensive juggernaut that's tough to mess with. They were able to make the adjustments in the second half, which I think is a really good sign for Colorado moving forward and arguably not that good of a sign for, for USC. That might, you know, be a little bit of a reality check of its own saying, I don't know if USC is actually in that top four conversation. Yeah, and I feel like personally just watching Colorado the past three weeks, one of their biggest weaknesses is the fact that they don't play up to their potential early on in the game. And it always seems like, you know, if they're playing like I remember Colorado State, I think Colorado State actually led. Uh, oh, yeah, at, for, the, at the half. Yeah, so <laughs> um, and then obviously this game, USC big lead at the beginning. Uh, Oregon, I feel like they, they definitely play better, you know, towards the, you know, towards the second half of the game rather than the first half. What do you think has been the difference uh you know in each game between mm-hmm. their first half play and their second half play that they need to fix? Well, I'd say you know it's tough to tough to put your finger on it because there's a number of things. I don't think that they're not coming in mentally prepared. I I don't even think that I could put that on them. I think it's just it's difficult to you know it I I'd honestly point to the lack of you know, time that this group has spent together. This whole staff is new. This whole group is new. And, you know, arguably you want to you want a more reliable cast of guys in the spots where, you know, you're going up on the road against tough opponents or a top ten is coming into your stadium. You know, because it I think the talent is there and I think they proved that throughout this year. There's just some moments 
like you said, slow starts, and and you can't put your finger on it. Why is this team not playing up to their potential? It, it it's tough to say, but I guess my number one answer would be. This team is not familiar with one another enough, and I think we're going to see Colorado turn into a much more legitimate program over the next two, three years. Really a fewer holes, more vicious on the outside, things like that. Yeah, so after USC went up 21-0, which you know, I said a few times already, uh, Shador Sanders, I really felt like he kind of led the charge into getting Colorado back into the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, a long touchdown pass, uh, and then... Unfortunately, later on, Colorado had a punt blocked, and then it was kind of just trading uh, trading scores. Um, Shador Sanders ended the first half with a, with a scramble uh, for a 25-yard touchdown. Again, I think that like the mistakes after 21-0 were primarily not on Shador Sanders. Mm-hmm. I think that he was like the driving force, and if they made mistakes, it was things like, you know, when they got their punt blocked, which... I mean, I, I don't know if you, that was just like what 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 yeah. just happened. Like the line just collapsed, or like five guys, are like you know, within ten feet of the punter. Um, but but they re- they really uh got back into the game. Um, you know, Omarion Miller had a had a. I'm kind of fast forwarding now towards the end of the game. Uh, Omarion Miller with a great sideline catch with about two minutes and thirty seconds to play. Um. And then uh, Shador Sanders with another touchdown dart uh, near the end of the game to Jimmy Horn. Suddenly it's a one-possession game mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. USC, they also at one point left 48-21, which, again, you, you <laughs> thought at that point game is like there's no point in watching. But suddenly, you know, it's a competitive game, and uh, unfortunately they had an onside kick. It didn't turn out well for them. Uh, anything else you would like to say about this uh, this game, Miles? I guess really just Shitter Sanders knew that this was really his Heisman opportunity. If I out-duel Caleb Williams, yeah. I'm putting my name in that conversation. And I think we saw him tap into that next gear where he was aware that, you know, my season's on the line and my name is kind of on the line. If I don't compete with Caleb Williams from an offensive standpoint, I think, you know, the, I'm, I'm going to hear about it. And, and and he tapped into that next gear, which he proved he has. He's had it. I mean, five touchdowns against USC is not easy. USC, arguably a bit of a fraudulent defense. If they were to get into that college football playoff, I think they'd get exposed. But nevertheless, Sanders, 1,700-plus yards through five games, 15 touchdowns, only a pair of picks. He knew that to keep his name in the conversation, he had to do a lot, and I think we saw him show out because of that. Yeah, and I know you spoke earlier about the way this roster for Colorado is constructed, you have to also keep in mind that Travis Hunter is not there, and he's one of their best players. Um, we don't know, obviously, how much of a difference that would have made in this game that ended up being uh, forty-eight to forty-one. Um, and you mentioned, you know, them attacking the portal. Do you have any thoughts about some of their players potentially leaving for the NFL? You think, like, is, do you mean the Sanders kids in particular? And any any one of their top players. Well, I mean, I think, you know, Sanders, Deion Sanders, that is, is going to obviously make the case. He's going to say, if we all stick together one more year, yeah. we're all going to be that championship team, and then we're all going to benefit because you guys are all going to be first-rounders. That's going to be the argument he's going to first make to his sons and then make to their to their other stars. But it, it's tough to say. You know, if, if Shadur gets that attention down the stretch of the season – He's going to be a first-rounder. It would be poor fathering to stop him from going. And I think you can't really do that to your son. And I think Dion himself, an ex-athlete, would understand. If this guy's potentially first-rounder, the guaranteed millions, 
Because it's first round, and then it's everything else. If 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 Shadur is a protected first round, you have to let him go. He would have to do a lot. He has to keep himself in that Heisman conversation for that to happen. I think Dion is going to make a really strong argument for him to stay, though. Yeah, no, I I think there was like some kind of video that I found online that was like Dion being like, no, I I want to go yeah. back, and and it makes sense because they have a solid team that that like, but like you said, that they, they have you know some holes to fix, and I think that once those holes are fixed. Once they get more used to each other, when they stop, you know, messing up in the first half uh, of games, I think that that's going to be big for them, and I think that they'll be better off next year if they can keep most of their squad and their better players together. But now we're going to jump over to the Red River rivalry, number three Texas versus number twelve Oklahoma, both five and zero. That's happening tomorrow at noon Eastern time. Um, this is a this is a pretty big matchup. Oklahoma hasn't allowed over twenty points a season. Um, they got two great offenses. Texas has beaten Alabama, though. I think mm-hmm. that, that that's Absolutely. you know something you definitely have to consider in the preview because um, Oklahoma hasn't played anybody that's currently ranked. So you could say that there's a bit of you know as a number twelve team maybe like an imposter syndrome kind kind of thing where Texas has kind of proven themselves to be worthy of of number three. Although I believe Alabama is also the only ranked team they've played, which is something to keep in mind. Um, so far, statistics this season for the the quarterbacks uh, for Oklahoma is Dylan Gabriel, seventy nine percent completion rate, fifteen touchdowns, one pick. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good stat line. And then for Texas, uh, Quinn Ewers, sixty six percent, ten touchdowns, one interception, not bad either. Uh, what do you see going into this game? I mean, initially, what stands out is the defenses. Two of the best defensive units in all of college football, no question about it. A big theme, though, this Oklahoma defense has some of the best defensive numbers, statistically speaking, in all of America, right? I think it's 10.5 points per game. Like you said, never allowed more than 20. But you got to take a look at their schedule. It's pretty dang weak. I mean, Oklahoma hasn't even played many power fives, let alone a top 10. They, They played Iowa State and Cincinnati. Two serviceable schools. They weren't even that dominant of performances. I mean, obviously, Iowa State was, but Cincinnati wasn't that dominant of performance, staying within two touchdowns. The first thing I'm looking at with the Oklahoma Sooners is that the first time it's their defense tested. And I think, you know, is who who wins this battle? Is Quinn Ewers the guy that, you know, is he that NFL product? And does he prove that against supposedly one of the better defenses in America? Or does he fall short? And, and, and Oklahoma stands tall as who they say they are. And, you know, I see a relatively low-scoring game, personally, just because both teams haven't faced a good defense yet. And, of course, they both have good offensive numbers, but I think the defenses probably win this battle and keep it low. Something I, I've looked at coming into this game, though, is that you know the fact that Oklahoma hasn't played anybody that's currently ranked, I think that even though they, you know, they haven't allowed over 20 points this season, something also tells me that is that because you know? Is that because of their weak opponents? I'm not saying those teams are all terrible, totally. but you know, could it be kind of just listen? The Oklahoma defense hasn't been really tested, and I think that you know they're they're definitely going to get tested in this game, and so is the Texas defense. But to me, I I just don't see how Oklahoma can pull this out. And I was doing some you know I agree. I was doing some research yesterday. Uh, and I think a lot of people are expecting more out of Oklahoma than I am personally. 
um, just you know looking at different uh, articles previewing this game. A lot of people, I think the spread is like six and a half points. I think uh, with uh, the favorite is Texas, obviously, and a lot of people are saying that they think Oklahoma is going to cover. So, and I I kind of just look at this being like. Yeah. I, I see what you mean, but lay the six I and a half. <laughs> also, I I also don't see what you mean because you're gonna gamble on a team that has had a a fairly easy schedule compared to a team that played Alabama and beat them, and you're gonna tell me that that team is gonna keep you know this game within a touchdown. And then looking at that Alabama game, Texas wins that one thirty four twenty four. In Tuscaloosa, when was the last time we saw an Oklahoma team go into an Alabama-type environment and win? I mean, Texas proved themselves that night. You know, that that's a real win. I don't know if there's any resume builder quite like a Nick Saban win in Tuscaloosa. I mean, that's special. That's not something like that's something that Quinn Ewers can say forever. Yeah. Like if he if he's an NFL bust, he always has that saving in Tuscaloosa win under his belt. He can tell his grandchildren about that. And this Oklahoma team, you know, five and zero defense, best defensive numbers in America. It, it, it's a toss up. I think you know they're really going to have their hands full. But I also like this Texas defensive unit as well. So I think you know. It's tough to say. I, I I don't think that they're just gonna be this shootout type style like we've seen in this game in years in years past. Because that's kind of what I think a lot of fans expect. You know, the, the over under set at sixty one. I think in years past, it's always been that touchdown, touchdown, exchanging touchdowns late in the game. I think that this year. The defenses are the dominant groups, and we might see punt after punt after punt, especially in the first half. So, let me get a score prediction then, Miles, mm-hmm. for this game. Uh, I know you said it's going to be <laughs> low scoring. I don't low know. Low scoring for this game standards, I'll say. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know if I uh if I'm catching a little bit off guard here. I'll let you take a moment. What do you think is going to be the the uh the score? The I'm going to go. Texas thirty-one. Oklahoma twenty-four. Texas 31, Oklahoma 24. And that's that's low scoring for the Red River rivalry, especially in Texas with this kind of offense. I mean, so low scoring is in the under will cash. Not necessarily low scoring is in Iowa, Iowa State. Okay. That that's fair. I think I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Texas with 36. Okay. And I'm gonna say Oklahoma. I'm gonna go 27. I think 36 okay. 27. So, not they too get far they off. get 27. I mean, if Oklahoma gets 27 points, I'll be surprised personally. But I gave him 24, so what am I saying? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a field goal away. Um so to wrap up this podcast, uh we're going to go around college football. We're going to talk about five specific games. We're going to make picks for those games. Uh I'm going to start off with I know you wanted to make a pick about this earlier. I spoke to you about mm-hmm. it. Uh, you want to talk about Fresno State and Wyoming? Yeah, Fresno State, 24 in the nation now. I'm glad they're ranked. I'm from California personally. I think Fresno State is a program, you know, just being given, you know, that it's in Fresno and that it's a Cal State school and they're in the Mountain West. They don't get a lot of respect. And, you know, they're a team that this year they could really hang. They took down Purdue 39-35 at Purdue. That's a special win. They went into Arizona State 
won that one 29-0. Two special victories, and now they have to go on the road against a legitimate team in Wyoming. Laramie's a tough place to play, but the ones, I think they've already proved the road warriors. And my pick here is Fresno State, a top 25 team in the nation, lay the six points. They cover the touchdown. Fresno State moves to 5-0 and and inches up the top 25 rankings. I'm going to take Fresno State as well. Um, last year, November uh, 25th, Fresno State really whipped uh, Wyoming's rear end 30-0. to <laughs> And, I mean, Wyoming, uh, their only notable game really recently was against Texas. That's their only notable opponent. They got whacked 31-10. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I just... They're not terrible. Uh, they've won their past two games, but I don't think that it's enough to hang with a ranked team. Mm-hmm. I think that they're just you know a team. They're not you know that team. So uh, I'm gonna take Fresno State as well. Um, another game this weekend that we're gonna talk about: Alabama versus Texas A&M. Alabama's uh, ranked number eleven. Texas A&M is not ranked. Um, Miles, what do you got? This one's tough. You know, I think that Nick Saban is definitely not leading the kind of Alabama powerhouse he once was. So going in to College Station is not that easy. But I'm going to say Alabama covers the two. You know, Texas A&M is, is, is a good squad. They, they can hang on the offensive side of the football. Their rush defense is fantastic. But I am a little bit concerned about how Alabama can kind of tarnish and, and, and torch at times that uh that secondary of texas a and i'm going alabama to cover the two yeah no i i'm going to i don't, I don't want to just be like oh we're agreeing <laughs> on everything but i'm taking alabama too i mean we're we're, we're, we're two we're, we're what do they call it we're squares we're not sharps we're squares we're thinking conventional <laughs> yeah um but but alabama i mean it's hard to bet against alabama it it, it always is and and again, Texas A&M is not a, is not a bad team. Um, they're you know historically always you know a pretty good team as as is their you know their in-state rival Texas, who Alabama lost to. But they're at the same time right now they're not they're not Texas, and I I don't hmm. see them taking down Alabama. So I'm gonna take the Crimson Tide as well. Uh, now we're gonna jump over to LSU Missouri. This hmm. is number 23 ranked versus number 21 ranked, and that's also happening. Uh, Along with Oklahoma, Texas tomorrow at noon Eastern. Who do you got in this game, Miles? Yeah, LSU coming off that heartbreaking defeat that we touched on. I think um, that's really the biggest storyline. Are you able to mentally rebound, go on the road again, and beat an undefeated SEC Missouri Tiger team? I think that they might have it in them, but it's going to take a lot from from a mental standpoint. Just because, I mean, Missouri is probably not as talented as LSU. If you were just looking at it on paper, recruit-wise, LSU probably has the, the the size advantage and the talent advantage. But the, but Missouri certainly has something cooking, undefeated at home. We're, we're being lame here because we're not only all picking the same, because I, I feel what you're picking, but we're also picking the favorites. But I'm picking LSU once again on the road, a road favorite, a little scary. But I think they are able to mentally bounce back. And I don't think Missouri is nearly as tough of a challenge as Ole Miss was, even if the rankings might say they're they're similar. I really don't like you, man, because you're picking <laughs> all my picks. Um, I'm going to take LSU as well. Um, Ole Miss, I think, you know, they're a very good team, and LSU was able to keep it close. I think even though they lost, I think that says something. 
Missouri obviously uh five and zero, but again, I don't I don't think they had the 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 same uh the same level of talent as LSU. So, um, I think I think it's gonna be a a good game. I think it's gonna be close, but mm-hmm. um, I think LSU does pull it out by you know maybe like ten or so points. I think at the end of, uh, at the end of the game, um, and then we're gonna hop over to Georgia versus Kentucky. Now Georgia's the number one team in the nation right now. Kentucky's number twenty. Who do you got, Miles? I mean, just from a who you got standpoint, it's Georgia at home. You can't you can't really go up against them. I know Kentucky's done a lot this year. I, I, not enough to convince me that they can take down a Kirby Smart squad down in Georgia. Kentucky's special. I mean, you know, not only do are they five and zero, but two conference wins already under their belt. Take it down, number twenty-two. Florida is a, is a legitimate win, and it wasn't even tight. Thirty-three, fourteen. I think you got to be confident in what kind of running game this Kentucky team possesses. It'll be tight. I, I think we'll give them that. I think they can cover the fourteen and a half points. I don't think they go into Georgia and win. I'm gonna take the upset here. Okay. So finally, we're disagreeing. Um, <laughs> I think I think it's gonna be definitely tough. Um, I think you know, obviously both teams coming coming into this game five and zero. Um, it's gonna be a, a tough game for for both teams, but I think that I think it's just it, at at some point Georgia's got to go down. I think, and as, as, this is not to say that you know, uh, they're a bad team. I think that th- I think every team has its hiccups, and I don't know. I just I feel one is coming. Um, they only were able to get past Auburn by one touchdown, so I feel like you know Kentucky after just beating Florida thirty three to fourteen, I feel like they. They just had, you know, they they just had enough momentum to carry over into this game. I think they're gonna scrape by. I don't think this would this would happen if they, you know, if the teams faced each other multiple times. I think this is like, oh, that one time where like in 2016 where the Golden State Warriors would lose a game. I think it's like one of those things. Um, but that about does it for this week's episode of College Gridiron. Uh, I am Will Jing. I was here with Miles Grossman. I had a great time talking college football with you today. And as always, College Gridiron is a production of WFUV Sports.